Hi, I'm Squeaky Moore, author of 100 Pitches, Mistakes I've Made So You Don't Have To, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and you are listening to episode 121. Happy New Year, guys. We are now into 2018. What an amazing time. This is a brand new year, brand new you, and I have a fantastic guest to kick off the new year. Her name is Squeaky Moore. Regarded as the pitch guru for content creators, Squeaky freelances as a development consultant and pitching coach. Some of her more recent directing and producing credits include 64, a project on father absent homes that she executive produced and assist directed father's day also produced by squeaky that addresses the effect of absentee fathers, which debuted on the launch of Mac magic Johnson's aspire TV network, the positive controversy, a show in which she developed and is the showrunner and face of darkness journey to healing, a documentary film that explores depression and suicide in the African-American communities. She is the author of the book, 100 Pitches, Mistakes I've Made So You Don't Have To, a film and television pitching guide for independent content creators about the do's and don'ts and strategy of pitching television and film projects. Now, she's very busy. She's been traveling, and she just got back from the West Coast, and we found some time to get together. So I'm really glad that she could make it here today to kick off this new year. Squeaky, how are you? Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing really well. Now, you wrote a book about your mistakes. Right. That's brave. <laughs> like, not yeah. you didn't even just write about one mistake. You wrote about 100 mistakes. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I believe really the goal was that people didn't waste as much time as I wasted um, learning from my mistakes. but. Mistakes are the way we learn. Mistakes, that's how we become the successes that we become because of a bunch of failures and a bunch of mistakes that we've made. So absolutely. Now you are on this track and you are on this path of development, production. You know, it's not mm-hmm. the easiest area. It's also an area that's not oft talked about, at least about, you know, for Dream Chase or people who want to do that. But mm-hmm. is this something you always wanted to do? Yep. Since I was 11, oh. I started out, I transitioned within the entertainment company, but uh, my dreams are still the same. I started acting at 11 wow. and I, all of my degrees are in acting. I went to performing arts um, schools and then I knew I, it's still storytelling, but I just wanted to take a stab at being behind, um, not in front of the camera. And so I transitioned into producing for the stage in Chicago, which is my hometown. I started producing mounting plays, um, some that I had written, some that I had licensed and directing them because I wanted to take a stab at directing and um, creating for the stage. And so I did that. And then I moved to New York 
to pursue more acting. Um, really, it was based out of a fear or a, a, a failure, what I perceived as failure from producing stage plays. And I moved to New York to pursue acting. And then God, I, I'm very, I'm a believer in God. And so um, he would land me back in a producing setting, but it was for film. And I was bit by the bug in 2009. And, um, and I've been wanting to, that's kind of where I've been staying behind the camera. I do, you know, I still act, believe it or not, but um, the behind the camera is what really sets me off. So you, you can get to my juices going. That's, that's actually, you know, the fact that you can still stay in the area you started out in, it's just a different mm-hmm. capacity, right? That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But what I enjoy mm-hmm. is the fact that you were open to the idea of transitioning. I mean, you said it was failure that kind of helped with that. Was that, do you just have an open mindset? I mean, cause most people take failure yeah. and like me, I, I would cry in the corner. Yeah, no, I did for nine years actually. But I just in general, I'm, I'm extremely ambitious. I'm, I've always been a risk taker and I, I am very open-minded and very optimistic. Like I'm the person that's, I'm just going to believe <laughs> I'm just optimistic. I just believe that things will go the way that I want them to go. If I keep trying, if I keep doing it. And so, um, but, but I failed and, and I look back in retrospect, I didn't fail. I didn't get the, the right outcome, but I had done the right things, everything that I had the power or the, the um, knowledge to do at the time. And it wasn't a fail at all. But, you know, if, you know, a lot of times we think that if we don't see the outcome that we envisioned, yeah. then it's a failure. We perceive it as failure. And so that's what had happened. And it was so damaging to me that I shut down for nine years. Nine years is a long time to, <laughs> um, to shut a dream down, right? Well- I mean, yeah, that's about what over three thousand days. <laughs> that's a lot of days. That's, that's Nine, a lot yeah. of days. But I, yeah. I mean, you said, and I'm going to talk about this because that's actually an interesting point of view. You said that you didn't fail. You didn't get the mm-hmm. outcome you expected, but you didn't fail. No. What do I you didn't. mean? So I had decided. I had went from doing like a plays where I would mount them for a weekend, right? Or like, I'm going to do it for these two days or three days this weekend. And I would sell tickets. So this on this last really innovative, really creative idea that I plan to bring back, by the way, (laughs) um, I decided that I wanted to, it to just do this long run. And meanwhile, I was doing it off of my own money because I didn't have (laughs) the wherewithal to get investors and things like that. So I mounted this I went into a rehearsal for like eight weeks mm-hmm. and mounted this show that I was going to do for a run. And I just, it was going really well, but I just didn't have the funds to wait it out for people to catch the, 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 you know, to, to, to get with it, know that it exists right. and to get with it. And media had just started to get with it, but I just couldn't keep it going. So I had to fold it. And for me, that crushed me for me because I didn't do the run. It, it just, it just, I just perceived it as I failed. It didn't do what I had set out to do and I failed. And it was such, for me, it was so big in my eyes at the time. It was such a huge disappointment that I just couldn't take any, I was afraid to take more risks. And I was afraid to put myself out there again because I failed. Looking back, I'm like, girl, 
you're just an out of money. That's that's it. It was a great product. It was it was so good. In fact, like you just didn't do it the right way. You should have probably sought investors or, you know, but you didn't fail. Like, come on, this is amazing. You were amazing. And so, um, but it took me um, nine years to see that more than nine years, actually. Nine years is when I got back into the game, but it took me more than nine years to see it. Oh, uh, okay. So I have so many questions about this because okay. <laughs> that is common for people when, mm-hmm. when something doesn't go their way, we view it as a failure and mm-hmm. we shut down because it's like, well, that didn't work. Therefore nothing will work. And you know, you said nine years, that's a long time. I'm sure there mm-hmm. are other people listening to this that experienced something very similar where they shut down probably for a year, two years, maybe even to this day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how do you, how did you overcome that in nine years? What were, what happened on the ninth year that didn't happen before? Were you just not ready <laughs> before then? Yeah. So I had a friend who was, she was about to produce 64. <laughs> it wasn't 64 at the time. She was going with a whole, a completely different idea. And, and we're talking and um, we weren't even really good friends at the time. We were just still getting to know each other. And she was talking about a producer that she had, and she was just having so many problems with getting her idea off the ground. And I'm there talking to her and I'm suggesting, why don't you do this? Oh, you should do this. You should do this. Oh, how about this? You know, my instinct kicks in and I'm just like telling her what to do. And so she's like, yeah. And then one day she's talking about, she's telling me about her father or and the relate the the relationship the abandonment she felt and and she was so passionate about it that it it's almost like when you recognize a story and you say mm-hmm. this like a reality producer recognize that these people are unique this is this story is unique someone it needs to be told and I'm like why are you doing that other st- stupid <laughs> story this <laughs> is what you should be doing you're so passionate like surely you're going to have lots to write about there. This is what you should be doing. And she was like, really? I was like, yeah, you sat and talked to me for hours. You, you have enough inside of you to write this. And so she went on that journey. She started writing and then um, she was like, well, would you produce it? And I immediately that fear gripped me. And I was like, um, I'll think about it. And it took me 30 days because I oh, just wow. could not. I, I, I didn't even realize I didn't, what, what happened was I didn't realize that I had hidden or that I was, I hadn't dealt with the failure right. for nine years. You I just, kind just of put it, moved put it on and I put it behind me and I hadn't realized that the reason I shelved those ambitions were because of fear. But when that fear gripped me and I was like, no, because what if it doesn't go right? What if it, you know, and my mind just started working and I'm like, oh my God. And, and I'm, I'm really big on the mind or Mm -hmm. the subconscious mind and how it works. And I believe that uh, once I recognize fear, I believe that that's the very thing that I have to do in order to rise above it. So my mind just automatically triggered, like, wait a minute, that's stopping you from, doing something that could be awesome. And so I said, yes, I just said, I like to squeeze time out of um, the equation when I'm dealing with fear. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, yes, I'll do it. And then I was just telling myself, I'll worry about the fear and everything else later. And it was through that process that I realized like, 
wait a minute, why did I stop this? Because again, I had such an instinct for producing. It was just natural. And I knew I just needed to get back in there and just do it. And I started dealing with myself and I'm like, you know, I am very analytical and I start analyzing like, what was that? Why did you stop for yeah. nine years? And I realized I fooled myself to believe, like I told myself, oh, you're going to move to New York because you want to act and you're not going to do, you're not going to focus. People, they were like, when are you going to do a, produce another play? When are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? And I would say, oh, I'm focusing on my acting, you know, because I don't want to waste my pretty years. This is what I would say. Wow. But it was really because I was so afraid and I was too afraid to take the of failing or taking the risk. And um, so I would just use that as an excuse because I just couldn't wrap my, my mind around the idea of trying and not succeeding. And so she was the catalyst. That whole project was a catalyst for me getting back into it. But I, I like to say that was a God thing. I'm like, it wasn't just ironic. Oh no. <laughs> that I got back no. into it. It was because, like, no, that was a God thing. Cause I'm glad you said that. Did you not have this kind of an opportunity in nine years where like, were you just away? I mean, you were going for acting. So did that kind of, and thing I acted happen? The, the behind the scenes didn't either. It didn't ha- happen or I pushed it away. Right. Saying out of mind. I'm not, I'm yeah, I'm like, no, I would say, you know, when people ask me, why aren't you doing this or this? The opportunity never presented itself in this fashion that um, the girl had presented itself to me. It sure. never presented itself that way. But when people would say, oh, my God, you were so good. You should do this. You should do. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm focusing on my. And I believe right. I, be, I just begun to believe that that lie. Because you I kept saying myself. it over and over. And, you know, mm-hmm. after a certain point, you're just confident mm-hmm. with it. I mean, mm-hmm. so because of that, that's why I'm like, I don't think it was a random coincidence that you had this no. conversation, this catalyst, this Kickstarter no. for yeah. you to kind of make a comeback. And I don't think it's a, I honestly don't think it was a, a fluke for you to go to New York under pretenses to, to act. Well, it's like you kind yeah. of, your dream was still there and it was fighting its way. Mm-hmm. It just, mm-hmm. it took mm-hmm. nine years, but. I mean, did you feel any, so when you have that rejection, right, it's often, it's easy to feel like you're just kind of immune to it. You talked about how you kind of said the lie about, you know, acting is for me, that's the thing. But did you ever have moments by yourself where you thought about it? There were, you know, there were not, not like, I don't know. I, there were times like, particularly the, the one show that made me fold um, you know, being in New York, being in Harlem, um, which I always say was is greatly suited for that production. You know, every now and again, and I would go, "Oh my God, this is the perfect place. This will be the, this would have been the perfect place mm-hmm. for that show, right?" Right. So those those situations came up, but I I just honestly was so. I was dealing in so much fear that I just didn't play around with the idea much outside of those little thoughts here and there. I just, but it all, I couldn't bring myself to play around with that. I mean, that fear gripped me. Well, it that all, failure gripped me. I'm sure it did. Cause it sounds like you weren't ready, you know, in nine years yeah. you were building no. yourself, you were learning, you were still doing, but it sounds like you weren't ready at that time to move forward. And there was the opportune time and, events came together they aligned you know 
to to make this happen. I just the fact that you overcame it, and I'm sure it wasn't easy. And you know, in those no, thirty gonna, days. Well, I was no, that was very hard, and I dealt with a lot in those thirty days. But it wouldn't be until um, from 2009 mm-hmm. until 2014. Believe it, another five years passed, and I had at that time maybe produced three, two, two to three projects, but I still had a lot of work to do to rise above that, those, those feelings of fear of failure and fear. And, um, even to get in front of, you know, cause at that time from 2009 to 2012, at that time, I was just like, you know what I'll produce. It was easy for me to produce other people's works. Cause it meant that I was for, in my mind, this is how I played it out. I was, I was working, I was doing the things that I love, but if, if, if it failed, it was on them, the creators, oh, the writers. Wow. Right. And so there was still a lot of things that were holding me back. And I have a, I had a mastermind group that, um, you know, they, this group, it was four of us. We dealt so deeply into the psyche and, and into the goal setting and strategy you know, strategizing around our goals that it forced us to deal with where our heads were at. And, um, it was through all of that work. And, um, even furthermore, when I got to myself and I started doing a lot of self-development that I realized one, that I, that I had little faith, the faith of an atheist is what I like to say. Um, meaning my, my belief was very, blind. My Mm. faith was blind. Um, or it was just nil next to nothing. And, or I, I, I was operating in such extreme fear and I didn't, and it, all of that made me not value the work that I did. Like I should have been valuing myself and my work. And so there was a lot of um, work that I had to do in order to grow my faith, in order to rise past the fear. I didn't realize just how deep my fear was um, or the fear of failure was. And even something as me looking at the, the, the fact that that play failed, right, made me say my work must not be good. Somehow that's the way it registered. So those were a lot of things that I, it took me from 2009 to 2012 to even face that and to deal in that type, even though I was still working. Um, but there was so much that I was, that, that was being revealed as I went deeper into analyzing why I thought the way I thought. And, um, and then it would go, you know what I I need, I remember the moment when I was writing for, I was writing an animation, a live action TV show, creating one so that I can set out to pitch it. And I remember I was so gripped by fear. I kept trying to reach out to people, including that first girl, like, hey, write this with me. Hey, I went to a script doctor. Can you do this? And it seems like everything, every person that I tried to go to, they just wouldn't come through. They didn't have time. And I remember sitting there and I remember almost just coming to the the realization that this was a bridge that I had to cross by myself in order for me to believe in Mm. myself and in my worth and in my creativity and that I could do it. I like, it was for me to face it. And I knew that that's what this was about. And, uh, that was the, that was the start of my, my uphill journey. Um, that realization, me crossing that bridge and creating that show on my own. I mean, it also sounds like 
this isn't something that just good one. It definitely sounds like it doesn't go away easily and that it was an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's still ongoing. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's, that's my thing. Here we are, the beginning of 2018, and a lot of us probably have fears like you did. And yeah. you had an event that kind of brought it together, but it sounds like you kind of knew what that fear was when, it, when you first saw it. Is that, is that something? Well, so when, when you first went through the failure and, and yeah. the play not doing as well mm-hmm. as you wanted in your mind, mm-hmm. right? If you could, for someone who's, you know, starting off the new year, is there a way to identify fears? Do you think? Yeah, I do think I do. I do have a way. So again, I go, I go through every now is my time starting November. I start going through a huge development stage mm-hmm. where I'm pinpointing all of, you know, I look at my goals first and the things that are still not where I, I haven't seemed to make them happen or week to week. Cause I check in on my goals every two weeks, right. Um, my, with my accountability partners, I check in every two weeks. And so when I see things that are still, that I haven't tackled at all, it alerts me that there's something there. And then I ask myself, which is, it's really about asking the right questions, asking yourself or probing yourself to, to get to the bottom of why. And I think if you ask why enough, you'll get to the core of what's, what's going on there, core, core of the fear. And so I'm like, why am I not doing this? Oh, you know, and, and initially it's like I'm putting it off on other things or, you know, um, people or whatever. Oh, I couldn't do it because of this or this and this and this. But when you keep saying, but why, but why couldn't you do it? A lot of the times it's, it's revolving around fear. Some sort of fear is stopping me from completing this goal. I don't believe, or it's a belief system. I don't believe that they would actually say yes to me, Mm. or I don't believe that I'm smart enough to create, to fill out that application to get the the grant for it, or I don't believe that I could actually create, do I have everything that I need to be able to get this production company up and running or, you know, so it all comes down to a belief system Mm -hmm. and then it all comes down to there's a fear there or a a worth issue, a fear issue uh, or a faith issue for me. So I do the, I start looking deep into my goals and I think that's where I find it. That's where I find I I can locate by what I set out to do and what I haven't touched. (laughs) I locate the fears and the, 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 those, all of those feelings or those uh, issues that I have from that. And you're actually looking at it differently because you said, you know, in the beginning you said, you know, you failed, but you didn't really fail. it's one way of looking at it because you did mm-hmm. do well. It just didn't hit the mm-hmm. goal, it, have the outcome that you expected. Mm-hmm. Now, you have taken that fear and you've kind of worked on overcoming, climbing over it. And you've created this book of a mm-hmm. hundred pitches, failing essentially so others don't have to. And you've wrote a very good book, by the way. Guys, it, I so highly recommend reading this book because she does talk about what she went through and you not only talk about the actions and the steps, but the mentality of what people will feel. That's the interesting part. Cause you say, you know, and you don't, you don't put it, push it on anyone. You say, here's, here's how I look at it. And here's how I went through it. And 
I think that's interesting because it's very hard to own up to a hundred times things don't go or create the outcome you expect. Was that, uh-huh. was that a brave project for you? So again, I'm a jumper. I just, you know, I recognize, again, I face fear now. I can look at fear and the thing I do is I just go face it. So initially it was just some arbitrary number. I'm going to do a hundred. I didn't realize how huge 100 is, (laughs) especially when it's contingent upon someone else saying yes to me. Right. It's not like I'm saying I'm going to knock on a hundred doors. Well, I have all of the wherewithal to do that. I can just like go and knock on a hundred doors and, and as long as I get them to open, I can ask if they shut it, that's fine. But I, I, I can do that. But this was based on someone else saying, yes, talk to me. Yes. I'll give you five minutes of my time. And so when I threw that number out there, I was like, and I, and I got started, I got to work. I'm like, Oh, what the, what did, what did I just put my freak? (laughs) Did I, Oh my God. And I put it out there. Like, so I've been known to put things out in the airwaves on social media nowadays, but, uh, I put them out there, even if it's with just my accountability partner. And sometimes I do that so that I can't check it out because I know it's something it's triggered. And I, it's a trigger in me. If I said I need to do it, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a liar. Right. Right. And that is what drives me. And I put it out there and I'm like, what the heck did I do? Like, why would I put this out there like that? So, um, became very hard. I think on my 10th call, my 10th attempt, I was like, Oh my God, this is, what was I thinking? But, um, you know, initially the goal, I just jumped without thought, but the goal became, it really was to rise above the rejection and to face the fear faster. Right. I wanted to be able to become a master at no, not hurting me or the outcome, not affecting me doing the thing that I needed to do. And so it became easier call to call or meeting to meeting or because my perspective changed over the course of this time, right? Um, each, each after 10, it's like swimming, you know, you swim, you you say, I'm going to do 20 laps. And those first three is like, they're, they're They're like super hard. Mm -hmm. They're the tough ones. And then at some point it gets it's like, oh, I can do this. This is, this seems to be easy. It's okay. After the 10th one, where I really was like, I am a felt like I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. This is this. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do it. It's just too, the work itself is hard. Forget getting to the yes or no. It's like the work is hard. I did. I wanted to give up, but I learned that my perspective changed, right? I learned that it wasn't about getting a no because I was still winning in essence, because no matter what I did, I was coming correct. Like I'm going to be, I'm going to have amazing t- stories to tell. I was going to make a great relation, start building great relationships. Once I got in the door, once they said, yes, I was going to come to them. Right. And even just doing that allowed me to grow my network and build relationships where people and, and where they respect me and they have an open door policy. So even if it was a no, it was a yes to the fact that I can always come back and with another idea and another idea and another idea. And that was a win. And so my perspective had changed over time, over, over, 
the time uh, of pitching, but it was very hard and it was very scary. But I no longer look at the no the same or the failure, the outcome the same. It doesn't, it doesn't, I try not to let it stop me. Well, it's almost like you made pitching an Olympic sport and you just kept practicing and practicing and practicing Mm -hmm. at it. And Mm -hmm. what I love though is, as you said, your perspective changed and you've shared that you were very honest about it in the book. And right now, when you said, you know, you put it out there, I'm flabbergasted at how many times, like you must've built a thick skin. Is that true? Or is it, (sighs) it, you just approached it differently because your mindset was different. It wasn't about thick or thin skinned. I think it was a mindset. Yeah. I think it was a mindset shift. I think I had developed the thick skin over the nine years, (laughs) the moment, Not over the nine years, but the moment I realized over the three years from 2009 to 2012, that work is when I developed the thick skin. Because the thing is, once you have risen above something, once you have faced it head on is when that skin changes. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like those nine years is when I was I was super thin. I could be hurt easily. Anybody could tell me anything and what they said went, you know what I'm saying? Like, or how I perceived what they say went and all of the other thoughts that played into it thereafter, right? Those were the ones that stuck. And so that's when I didn't have the thick skin, but the moment I faced it head on and I decided to do the digging and to do the work and to say, you know, no, I'm going to get to the bottom of why I feel this way. And the work that it took for me to um, change my thoughts around all of this, which is a every morning 5 a.m. where I'm waking up, I'm affirming things, I'm I'm doing affirmations, declarations, I'm visualizing. I, it's a whole process that went into this to get me where I'm at today to have this mind shift. That was the thick skin, right? That now I'm like, that's where the thick skin came from. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, it sounds like yeah, it. I guess, and I guess into short, what I'm saying is that you get the thick skin by facing the issue. So once you once you're risen above risen above it, that's when you're like, okay, nothing anyone can say. And even if they do, just listen. I was in Chicago, and Chicago particularly was a very rough tour stop for me mm-hmm. um, between the market and the people, and and I'm, it's my hometown. And I just thought, again, it's what was in my head. In my mind, I'm coming home to Chicago. This is going to be the best tour stop. I can't wait. And it was everything but the best. (laughs) It was like really tough market. It's very segregated in Chicago uh, between the the races. And then it's segregated between the different sides. It's just the city. It's just completely like it was a tough, tough market to, to penetrate. And it brought me down to tears. And I, I promise you, I went on Facebook live. I did a live and I didn't expect to cry on a Facebook live, but here I am being honest and being open because I felt like it's become my mission to talk about my failures so that I could rise above them or my mistakes so that I could rise above them. And so I take to Facebook live to say, Hey, here's some of the things that I, you know, I almost gave up and I really did. I wanted to give up on the tour. It was so hard in Chicago. The tour was amazing, but it was just tough. Everything about it was tough. And I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so I go on Facebook Live 
And I tell people why and uh, what happened and what I learned from the process through my tears, by the way. And so even then I, I wanted to give up, but it was something about talking to people that is probably still being circulated, that video, that Facebook Live video. Um, it was something about purging that or talking to everyone that was the healing part, right? What I discovered thinking about it, analyzing it, and then saying, hey, learn from this. That was the healing part. That was the part that made me go back out there and finish the job. And so we have to deal rather than to, when, when I didn't do anything for those nine years and I just let it be, yeah. I wasn't dealing with it. But when we're dealing with it and we're analyzing it and um, so that we can grow, that's when we're able to get back out there and finish the dreams. That's tough. That I, I, I gotta say, I, of all the tour stops and you've, you have a number of tours, New York City, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Philly coming up to go home and have that kind of an experience. I think the so fact that you had a different mindset mm -hmm. is so helpful. And I think you guys, you know, with this new year, we got to have a different mindset towards failures mm -hmm. and mistakes and c the kind of mindset you have. And that's that's something that you guys got to work on. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of work that goes into into that. I think this book, now that I'm thinking about it, it was therapeutic. It wasn't like, oh my God, I'm gonna be told no. You go into it like I'm gonna face all of this rejection. And what's funny is I I didn't face much rejection. The fact that I can get executives and whoever, because you know, half of the book is my journey and the yep. other half is me, you know, profiling different executives. Mm -hmm. And even those were pitches, like they don't, you know, if they don't know just, who I am, they're, and just gonna talk they're to like, you. right. Then they're like, yeah, let me do this. Like the biggest thing I learned on this journey was to just open my mouth and ask for what I want. Ask big, don't ask small because asking small is going to get you the no. But when you're asking big stuff, nine times out of 10, you're going to be told yes. In fact, I, you know, part of my journey um, part of my goals uh, when I was writing the book was to, I set out to do 30 big asks. That's, that was the number. I'm going to do 30 big asks. I was going to ask one majorly large thing in each day in a month. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, the first couple of days that went so well, I was like, but wait, I have all of these goals this year. <laughs> like I have to write a book. I have to do all of these different things this year. I might as well, I need to up my asks. And I just became hungry to ask big. And out of all of the, I'm probably on 500 asks by now, you know, big asks. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, let me, hi, CEO, can you give me some time? I would like to meet with you type of asks. That kind of brave ask um, that you just don't, you know, if, if you told a stranger that, you'd be like, are you crazy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, and Shonda that, Rhimes, trust me, Shonda Rhimes was on one of my asks. I was like, I'm going to ask her to mentor me. Let me do that. Oh, let me put that down. Because the, the idea of asking big, it has to be things that you wouldn't ordinarily ask right. mm -hmm. on any given day. And so, um, but what's funny is I probably got two no's to date. And... Either from shot, either if there were, I didn't get any note, but the two no's and I got a lot of, I have a few people that didn't respond like Shonda Rhimes. She didn't respond, but it wasn't a no. And when you say and no, so, do you mean a flat out no or? Like a flat out no. Okay. 
So you could have no, gotten an alternative. I mean, well, the, some alternatives were the, I, I'm not going to respond. Okay. But, um, but believe it or not, some people were just awesome. Even if they couldn't do it, mm-hmm. even in the two no's, um, like Mark Batterson, I don't, I don't know if you are familiar with him. He's a preacher, but he also has like so many books, so many best-selling books. And I decided I wanted one of my big asks were to ask him to uh, mentor me on faith because that was the area, one of the areas of development. And they got back right away. And it was the sweetest response that you can't even get mad at the the no, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, they're so sweet. I, I have an open door. When I go back, if I have something else to ask, I have I can ask it. But um, so that's one of the things that came out of this this journey of 100 pitches, right? You know, if you're going to pitch and you don't have representation, you have to be willing to ask big, like of people, of your network, of people you don't know, so that you, so that I can make that happen. And I learned that that's the, that's almost the key to doing, like, to doing the things that the, the, the big goals that, you know, to setting out to do the big dreams that we have, that's the yeah. key. Right. We're not masters at everything. Henry Ford wasn't a master at anything. He was ignorant. Yes. But he had people who, you know, that were masters at what they did. And that's how he became Henry Ford, the Ford that we all know him to, you know, everything that he has done or had done. And so he had to ask a a lot of people (laughs) to help him to be brilliant at what he did. And so I mean, so. The thing Mm -hmm. I love is that this project of yours seems to have so many lessons in it. I mean, not just while it's for pitching for entertainment, for, you know, those with creative projects and whatnot, Mm -hmm. I feel like you can apply your lessons to life. I mean, what you're talking about, you know, doing the big ass and things like that. I mean, that was my take. I don't, I don't direct or produce anything, but I was learning from what you were writing. Absolutely. In fact, now I do, I'm speaking, I'm doing a lot of speaking engagements and, you know, I do workshops on mm-hmm. pitching and, um, I actually coach a lot of clients that are not even in entertainment. They're pe- business owners and product people with product who are maybe going to pitch Shark Tank or HSN or QVC or whoever. And I realized that part of my journey was for them, for the people that I coach. I spend a lot of time, maybe 80% of my time telling these amazing people that have created these businesses, created these amazing products that are in stores like Walmart or like majorly major products. And I spent a lot of my time helping to build them up, helping to say, girl, you are worthy. Girl, you better. This is amazing. What are you talking about? You're really you think and i'm like gosh we're we're the biggest bunch all of us as a whole we're we're the yeah. biggest bunch of you know insecure most insecure most yes. i mean all of us are struggling with value and worth issues and so i spend a lot of my time now talking in fact like gearing like i've been prepping for keynotes this keynote that i'm going to have based on these these subjects because i know i'm going to have them mm-hmm. because i see just i see the value in it Yes, I went on a journey to pitch 100 times for my career, but what I learned out of that journey and the stuff I, it's really about life lessons, everything, everything. And it, and it doesn't, even the book, you know, there's so many lessons in there that don't, that can apply to any yeah. industry. 
that you're in, you know? And I believe that everything we do, we're always pitching, whether we are being intentional about it or not. We're always presenting ourselves where people can look at us and offer us a job contingent upon how, you know, how we present ourselves to them. And so we're always pitching. We're always pitching. So I have to ask, because you you wrote such a wonderful book, in your experience of those hundred pitches, which one at this moment stands out the most to you? Oh, God. Well, (laughs) the worst pitch I ever had was with Robert Townsend. And um, it was the worst pitch, but it was the, the pitch that taught me how to pitch. Because it was with him that I learned how to storytell, how to tell a story. Um, And so pitching, and again, it's a, it's, it's a general lesson for anyone who needs to pitch, who wants to pitch, who is going to pitch, whatever they're going to pitch. Everything about pitching is telling the story and it doesn't have to be an entertainment. It's how you deliver the story. And so with Robert, um, he got very frustrated with, with me because I was reading from my, my pitch deck. He got mad enough to push the slam the, not slam it, but like close my, my MacBook. In my mind, I'm like, what are you doing? And I was so livid. I was so angry. And I had a partner at the time and I just almost shut down and she went and and she, he's like, just tell me the story. Just tell me the story. And, um, she kept, she went on to tell, finish sharing what we had created. And eventually I got back into the game and started talking and we kept piggy, piggybacking. But it was the first, I didn't get it then. I, I, Cause I was like, you, a, after we finished, I said, I just want to say, you know, I wanted to slap you, right? <laughs> 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 and it took him off guard for a little bit. He was like, huh? And we both laughed, but I was like, oh my God, I was so angry, but thank you. Thank you so much. And I think it was three pitches after that, that I started, it was like a repeated lesson of storytelling. And sure. I'm like, there's something to the storytelling part. Let me slow down and figure out what am I not doing? And mm-hmm. like, what am I missing here? And so, um, so it was, it was the pitch um, that taught me everything that I know about pitching. I think the key to pitching, I would have to say he was the lesson. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure how I would have reacted, but I think I, I, <laughs> probably would have froze like uh, uh, yeah uh, what uh? yeah my my pride and ego all of that came for sure I, I, I think it's a natural reaction for it to yeah. to do so until you build up uh that practice that you were saying you know yeah and you could change yeah. your <laughs> the way you react to things now yeah mm-hmm. I, I don't know if if anybody who had been a veteran at pitching do you think you would have handled it differently if it had been number 97 if would i have handled robert differently or or that experience i don't know because you know honestly in general i I think i have a gift of saying what i feel Mm -hmm. through jokes and fun and i can get away with a little bit more than most people couldn't get away with um because i know how to deliver that i think when i'm not like you know being so serious about my, which is most of the time. Cause I'm not, I know we're having this conversation and I seem like I can be serious, but I'm, I'm really not. I'm a big <laughs> jokester. So 
I probably now I'm very open to critique and I'm very flexible now. So it really depends on the energy in which it came. If it came the way he did it, I, I probably do the same thing, I guess. Yeah, I probably would do the same thing. I, I you know. Maybe it's that it, if it had been number 97, you would have been better at storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 97. Hmm. Listen, through all of those pitches and as I continue to pitch, I still am learning mm. new things like the industry. The industry, I think, changes the, with technology changing every three days. And it's always something new that I'm I'm learning. And so. I hope to remain open-minded that one day somebody's going to tell me something. You know, listen, Chicago was one of those. You know what? To, to answer your question, Chicago was one of those uh, moments for me where I ran into someone. And this was what made this also added to it being so horrible. Mm-hmm. But I ran into someone and we differed in opinions on pitching. And so, yeah, that affected me in some kind of way. And it took me a, some time to rise above <laughs> to rise above that, too. I handled it really well. And we both laughed at it. And, and you know, so I think I handled it the same way that I, I did with uh, Robert. But we agreed to disagree in a very nice, nasty way. And <laughs> I just and about my said. business. Yeah, I was very nice, that. nasty about it. And um like whatever chick chickadee but i think we all have to be able to listen to things and and figure out what's critique what's 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 constructive and what's not oh that's and i do believe robert i know almost that robert was really being helpful he just really wanted to get at what's the story And, and he was trying to help and it came off a certain kind of way but the he intent was right behind it at the end of the day. He yeah. was right at the end of the day. At the end of the day, I can't go off of anything else, but he was right. Now, sometimes the truth hurts. And so maybe that's what I dealt with at that moment. But this recent situation, uh, I think there's a bit of foolery behind that. And I'm like, whatever, chick. And, okay. and, you know, we all experience that kind of challenge, I guess, yeah. you know, yeah. in, in some we way, We have to shape, be able to discern what's, right and what's not and what's helpful and what's yeah and throw away the, the bad the bad advice. you, you go. gotta throw it away and you can't linger on it too long you have to you have to allow yourself the, the time to play around with it or analyze it and then when you analyze it you you choose this is not good stuff this is not yeah. positive and I, I, I re, i'm gonna throw it away if in years to come i find myself reflecting back on that and saying dang she was right I was wrong about this. Then, you know, then years from now is when I'll accept that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not wrong. I mean, we we all kind of have to face that. Now, Uh Squeaky, you've been dropping knowledge bombs left and right. I got to ask, though, it's a new year, new start. Dream Chasers listening to this. What is one thing you would tell them to do today to chase their dreams? Oh, that's a loaded question. I I, I You know. I, I think the idea of chasing the dream is that like we all have this purpose and we all have this dream and we have to be settled on what we we have to set the goal and we have to set before we start reaching out. I mean, pushing the dream, we almost have to set the, put it in writing. What am I willing to go through to get there? 
And I think too often we're creating these, we have these dreams that we set out to do, but we don't have the contingency plan for failure, right? We don't, we don't, or we don't put that in there. We don't place that strategically place that plan, Mm -hmm. the, you know, for the alternative in there. So what happens if it doesn't happen the first time, the second, the 10th, the hundredth, right? Yeah. What are you going to do? How long, what, what does that look like for you? You know, look, look at Z and what does that look like for you? And what are you willing to do to get there? And setting that at A, right? You have to set that at A so that you know, but too often we set a dream. We have our, the big picture in mind and that's all. And we go out to do it, but we don't, but in our minds, it's just going to go A, B, C, and it's going to go in that order. And we're not going to get off track and get off the path. So that's not life. No, right? not. And so now I said in my mind, okay, I know because I'm trying to get there, there's going to be so many forces that are going to come up against this, this greatness that I have to be ready for it. So it's going to take me, it, there's nothing that's going to get in the way of me reaching this particular dream. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put checkpoints in place. I'm going to put um, metrics in place, whatever it is, put those in place so that each month now I'm checking in on, I'm using these metrics to say, how is this going for me? What is it? Do I need to recalibrate? Do I need to create a different plan um, so that I can still reach this outcome? You know, if, if it keeps failing, is it something that I'm doing wrong, but I'm going to get there? You know, and we have to set that. So I would say set the plan for the forces to come against you and and know what you're going to be willing to do to how how much you're going to um, how far you're going to be willing to go. And you may say, I'm only doing this 100 times. Maybe that's your A and a, B testing <laughs> after 100 <laughs> times. If it don't work, that's it for me. I don't know. But, you know, you got to get to 100 times before you quit. Right. But set that. So I would say, you know, have set set some type of plan in your mind for your dream, for the things that are not going to go as planned. I love it. That's fantastic advice. Squeaky, thank you so much for taking time out to come on the show and share your story. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This is so awesome. Andrew Chasers, that was Squeaky Moore. How crazy is her story? Nine years held back by fear, overcoming it, now chasing her dream, wrote a book, fantastic book. You should check it out. And just all the lessons she shared. You guys can find more information about our book, about Squeaky, the lessons she shared over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com slash episode 122. That's episode 122. Yes, this is episode 122, not 121. My bad. It's a new year. Go with it. Okay. We make mistakes. You got to learn, live, do all the things. So Go check out the show notes page, chasingdreamshq.com slash episode 122. And until next time, guys, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Or leave a comment on her website, chasingdreamshq.com. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.